Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo-wah. Welcome to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I am Chris Graham. I have the pleasure uh, each show of being able to introduce my, my good buddy, Jerry Ratcliffe. And today, Jerry, we get to talk about um, the, the, the news that has been on the front of most UVA sports fans' minds, if not everybody's minds, the last week or so. It was, in fact, a week ago today that USC and UCLA, the Big Ten, announced that they were in a dance together, and um, uh, USC, UCLA heading to the Big Ten, and that started a, a new round of discussions of conference realignment. Uh, Jerry, we've both written about this. Uh, what are you hearing? What is your feeling and your take in general on uh, this news and also how it affects maybe the ACC and certainly the University of Virginia and Virginia Athletics? Well, it seems like the news changes every day, Chris, with uh, more information popping up across the country. Uh, I think I wrote this – I wrote last night that I, I thought – the best thing the ACC had going for it right now is the grant of rights contract that they came up with a couple of years ago after, I guess, after Maryland left the conference and they were trying to, uh, there were all kinds of rumors flying around that the ACC was going to fall apart. So they, the schools got together, signed this uh, grant uh, that last to 2036 and if you leave the conference you forfeit your all your tv money not only that you were supposed to get in the acc but wherever it is you might wind up until that contract expires and it's that's somewhere north of a hundred million dollars to exit uh and if you fight that in court uh, i'm sure it's going to cost a lot of money and tie you up for a long time, which most universities don't like litigation. So uh, I think the ACC is safe in that regard, but still uh, they have to be proactive because from everything I gather, nobody in the country wants to be conference number four. Everybody what's left is trying to scramble to be conference number three and, and what's left of the power five that really the power two right now that's where it is yeah and, and number three is the spot and, and if you can be a you don't have to be at equal number three to the power two but as long as you're closer to those uh right now the acc uh pays out to its member schools an average of about 25 million less per school from tv rights than the sec and big 10 and i've seen projections that that throw out by the end of the decade, it may be as much as 50 to $55 million per, per school per year difference um, under the current um, contracts and, and expected contracts, I guess, as SEC and Big Ten are set to renegotiate. The ACC's locked in, unfortunately. Um, you know, there's, there's stability with that 20-year deal signed in 2016, but also the stability means we're locked in at 20, what, what seemed good in 2016 in terms of TV money. Um, I, I would think that one way uh, to, to address that would be to figure out some way to get ESPN to open up the pocketbooks in some way. I don't know how that's done. Maybe it's the, the, the white whale convincing Notre Dame to, to become a full member, including in football. Obviously, they're a member in everything else. Maybe it's by expanding by a school or two and adding another market or two if that can be done. And if there's anybody out there worth uh, approaching in that way or 
I've seen a report, Jerry, uh, from Sports Illustrated last night. I think Pat Forty was one of the writers that suggested that the ACC and Pac-12 are in discussions about sort of a partnership, not a merger of any kind, but a partnership that could uh, allow the Pac-12 to access the ACC network and broadcast games using the ACC network. And uh, and that could uh, be a reason for ESPN to give both some more money. And, and, and they're looking at the early stages, perhaps, of how that could work and if it would actually benefit both sides uh, down the line but financially. So there's a lot of ideas out there. But to me, the, 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 yeah, the ACC is going to the, – the, grant, the grants of media rights make it almost impossible for anybody to leave. And if, if they want to, you, you pointed that out. It would take years of litigation, costly litigation. It wouldn't even be guaranteed to win. And then if and when you lose, it's a few hundred million dollars out of your pockets. No conference is going to even want to touch an ACC school until that grant of media rights issue is, is dealt with. And it's not going to be dealt with anytime soon. So the ACC needs, I think the ADs need to be focused on figuring out a way to get more money from ESPN. I'm not sure how that's done. Yeah. There's been all kinds of reports surfacing uh, the last few days. The ACC ADs met virtually earlier in the week and uh, they looked at all sorts of, possibilities and I I know one of them was with the Pac-12 or Pac-10 now I guess (laughs) but um, it doesn't appear that the Big Ten is interested in taking any more of the Pac-12 schools at this point Uh, so that's left them up for grabs and the Pac-12 is trying to scramble and figure out what to do they've been approached by the Big 12 or at least six of their remaining 10 schools have been approached by the big 12 to possibly join up in that conference, which would leave four other schools, uh, Oregon state, Washington state, Cal and Stanford out to dry. I don't know what would become of them. Um, and meanwhile, the ACC, I think has a better idea. And like you said, having that, that uh, bi-coastal arrangement, if you will, um, where they wouldn't really merge as a conference, at least not for now, but they would at least uh, play some regular season games against each other. There's been a suggestion that there be a championship game between the Pac-12 and the ACC held in Las Vegas, of all places. Um, might make it a little rough on the ACC fans and and ACC media to get out there, but uh, that's that's one of the suggestions. And and um, like you mentioned, uh, having the ACC network uh, televise games from from both coasts, but because um, I guess I I currently get the Pac-12 network, and I, I guess I assume if Tech, uh, excuse me, at USC and UCLA disappear. From that, uh, I, I don't know what becomes of that network. I guess it goes kaput. Yeah, I would I would assume that the value of that network anyway just completely erodes, uh, or or almost completely erodes once the LA market's out of there. Uh, and so uh, that may be the writing on the wall that that tells us that there's a push, a, a reason for a push for the ACC and Pac-12 to um, to talk and and see what may work uh, down the line. 
Are you hearing anything, Jerry? Uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners out there, you know, you know, you know, so many folks behind the scenes uh, at, at UVA. Are you hearing anything uh, without certainly naming names or, or even giving any identities away? But are you hearing anything that, about what UVA is thinking specifically about um, the developments of the past week? They've been pretty tight lipped. And uh, I think I don't think they exactly know what to say right now. I think they're like the rest of us. They were stunned by the big, uh, excuse me, the Pac-12 move um, by the two L.A. schools. And I think everybody's just kind of waiting to see what happens, but still being proactive. There's a rumor out there, and I haven't been able to substantiate it, nor has anyone else from what I gather that North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia have formed a informal verbal pact that should things fall apart and go sideways and the conferences start breaking up, that they would sort of support one another toward going one direction or another, which most people believe would be to the Big Ten because they're all – I don't know if it's AAU or AUU, whatever, whatever. Yeah, that, the American Association of uh, or Association of American Universities, excuse me. Yeah, that that AAU. <laughs> yeah, AAU, uh, which means they're among the top sixty ranked academic schools in the country, and which is, makes them very, very attractive to the Big Ten, which puts a lot of value into that. Uh, every now and then, you'll hear something about the SEC may be interested in North Carolina and Virginia. I don't, I don't think North Carolina will go anywhere unless they take Duke with them. Uh, Virginia, because of its academic reputation, I guess could go either direction if it wants, but they seem to be aligned with North Carolina, um, possibly with Duke. But uh, most of the ram- ramblings you hear is uh, – or rumblings, rather, is – a big 10 connection and which uh, I don't know I, in a way I think it would be kind of sad because they don't uh, they don't seem to have that much in common with big 10 schools other than the ACC big 10 challenge and um, I, to me uh, the SEC would be more attractive just because of uh, geography if nothing else Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. I think geography is a big part of, of what could be a future if we got down that line, because now the Big Ten has two California schools, the two LA schools. And so it's, it's, and that's what I, one thing I can't figure with Big Ten and, and with USC and UCLA. Okay. Yeah. For football purposes, it's one game a week and you only play 
12 games a year. Uh, they may play nine in conference, eight, eight or nine in conference, wherever they play. Um, your team fl- flies across the country to play Rutgers or Penn State or Ohio State. You know, yeah, that's that's one game. You fly across and you do that. You fly back home. Um, if you're the if you're the uh, person in charge of the sc- uh, schedule for the women's softball team or for the tennis team or you know name the non-revenue sports team, you know a lot of those folks travel to conference games and other games, other matches, whatever they may be, contests they may be. Uh, they don't travel by you know, 747. They don't rent planes for those. They, they, they take buses as, as best they can. I mean, I know there's ACC destinations for our non-revenue teams that are, are f- flights as well. But So it's not to say that that's, that's the case, but that's not the case. But, boy, you're, you're adding in guaranteed one or two um, trips a year, uh, depending on the sport and the schedule. For a lot for non revenue teams to have to fly to LA to have, and also then expand the region to, you know, the Midwest, you know, Minnesota and Iowa and Nebraska. Um, that, that there's a lot of there's a lot there in it you know, that that takes away for those non revenue sports athletes. And we know the, the old the old the saying on the NCAA commercial that you see during March Madness is that 99% of the athletes uh, will. Uh, turn pro in something other than sports. We know that the non-revenue athletes are going to turn pro in something other than sports. And we also know that the demands on student athletes, um, whether they be football players or basketball players or non-revenue athletes, I mean, they, the NCAA counts the time that they spend in training and in practice and in games towards the limit that they can be, um, you know, engaged in athletic competition. They don't count travel though. And so that's just more demands that come out of their time. Um, uh, toward progressing towards their degree. And it's in the name of money for athletes in one program. And that, that's, that would be up to me as an UV alum. That's a hard sell that we would be at, jumping into a league that is far flung uh, literally across the country. Yeah, no question about it. And it's, um, I read a comment. I don't know if it was the UCLA athletic director or the Southern Cal athletic director. And that question was posed to them and their answer was interesting and in that well if uh, the money projections are what we hear then money won't be an object that will uh, we'll be able to either get charter jets or who knows maybe they'll even buy their own jets and uh, I just have them going back and forth all the time but uh, it's kind of sad state that college athletics are heading toward I think and it's um, everybody says you know that with between that the NIL the transfer portal um, it's just become a, a sport uh, a, a, an activity that we're not familiar with it's it's just not the same as it was it's it's, it's uh, I guess it was kind of like that back in the uh, 40s when the old, I guess it was the old Southern Conference that had 30-some teams in it. It stretched from D.C. to New Orleans. Got too big for its britches, and uh, it just plane travel, or excuse me, train travel and bus travel became too awesome. And uh, they had to break it up into the ACC, the SEC, the Southern Conference, and a bunch of independents. And I wonder if someday down the road we'll look back or somebody will look back and say, 
you know what, we're, we're just too big. This doesn't make any sense. We got to go back to smaller conferences that make more sense geographically than what we're doing. Um, I don't know. I, 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 the, the, the outgoing commissioner of the Big 12, whose name escapes me, has been in the business for most of his life, had a great comment the other day on his exit. And it talked about how dirty he felt like college athletics are becoming in terms of greed. And he said, he feel, he says, I feel like I'm escaping, kind of like escaping from the Shawshank prison and, and uh, that movie. And he said, I've, I've crawled my way through the 500 yards of sewer. I'm still in the rainwater, but I still haven't taken off my dirty clothes yet. So I think that encapsulates what college athletics seems to be headed toward right now. Yeah, we're putting, I mean, if for, for that, that, that person from either USC or UCLA who said, oh, yeah, we'll just buy our own planes and fly everybody across the country or whatever the case may be there, doesn't take into account the demands on the student athletes. And we, we call, you know, the NCAA, when we go to events, we go to the cover of the NCAA basketball tournament, they, the, the people who are moderators of the, you know, post-game press conferences and things like that, they always refer to the student athletes. They may, you know, make it a point to emphasize the student athlete part of things. You know, if, if you're if you're flying people across country for for weekend softball uh, three game series that they're not they're not student athletes anymore. They're pro athletes who happen yeah. to be engaged in college. Right. And have to be enrolled in college. That's that's uh, that's a reality. And, and yet we're not paying them. I mean, NIL might be money they can make on the outside, but we're 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 making them, you know, we're, we're adding a, a cr- incredible burdens to these kids. I mean, the old ACC, the, well, not the old ACC, the old ACC was Maryland, uh, Maryland, North, South Carolina, South. The ACC I grew up with even after South Carolina went to the SEC and Georgia Tech came in, it was Maryland to Atlanta. It was D.C. to Atlanta. Was was it, You could easily get on a bus or get in a car and go to everybody. Um you know, and yeah, when we expanded in 2004 and then, what, 2011 and 2014, you know, we had Boston, we had, you know, Chicago with Notre Dame, we had Miami, and we had already added Florida State back in the 90s. Um, you know, you had to fly some places like that. But, yeah, it's it's not what we grew up with. There, I, I love your analogy there, Jerry, to the old Southern Conference and how it had to break up because of geographic sense. Um yeah, I, I I wonder what what value would a twenty four team SEC or twenty four team Big Ten have? Because we we know from the ACC, we just announced a week or two ago that we had to go to this football scheduling model three five five because most schools weren't playing each other. If you weren't in the same division, you didn't see guys for six eight years. It seems like. And so we've already addressed that internally that we're too big at 14. What's what good is 20 or 24? You're never, you're, you're going to have people quote unquote in your conference that you never see or hear of. But just none of this makes any sense to me. That's a good point. I don't think anybody's brought that up, Chris. And you're right. Um, going back to the student athlete thing, I, a lot of the veteran writers just kind of scoff every time that the uh, the moderator says, and now it's time to, for our interview, any more questions for our student athletes? My good friend, John Feinstein for years has laughed every time he hears them say that. He says, the NCAA doesn't give a rip about its student athletes. Um, and in fact, I, I, I read uh, back in the day, and I, I can't remember the old, uh, 
director of the NCAA that uh, ruled with an iron fist for decades. But when uh, the term student athlete came about, the only reason it came about was so the NCAA didn't have to count athletes as employees. And uh, <laughs> so they added student in there to uh, escape that uh, whatever came with that tag. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. What, what happens if you have a 20 team or larger league? Uh, I saw one model of the big 10 with uh, four divisions of five schools each. I mean, how, how's that work? And, and it's just, you know. How's that any different than having four conferences within one conference? <laughs> it's like, it's like they, what they say about Great Britain. Great Britain is five countries uh, within a country. Um, you know, yeah. you got what, Northern Ireland, Ireland. If you got four divisions of five or four divisions of six, you, you got four conferences. That, those, you're, you're as a fan, you're only going to see, you know, a few teams a year anyway. Um, what's the difference between calling them conference games and non-conference games, or conference games and uh, interdivision or interdivision games, or what? It's 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 like baseball, interleague games. It's like basketball or foot, NFL football with, you know, uh, the the uh, cross conference games. It's uh, it's the same thing. It's ridiculous. It seems that's what they want is to, for the NFL to be their model to where you've got so many divisions and, and stuff that, uh, <laughs> you know, how, how it'll work out. It, it mystifies me. It boggles my mind about, I guess they'll have to go back to the computers again and let the computers figure it out. And I also, here's another thing I don't see, Jerry, like there's a certain, to me at the 30,000 feet down level, there's a certain amount of money that TV networks or streaming networks now, because you hear that Apple and Amazon want to get involved and it you know, wouldn't surprise me, certainly. And that would raise the stakes for everybody. Right. Um, but TV and TV and streaming networks are going to spend a certain amount of money on college sports, but football and basketball, whatever else. We'll spend a certain amount of money. That's it. Um, so if we have 24 teams in the Big Ten and 24 in the SEC, and then we have scattered left in the ACC and Pac-12, whatever else, um, if those survive, the group of five survives. There's still, there's still how many ever teams there are playing uh, FBS football. There's still well, the number of teams there are playing Division One basketball. Um, it's, it's really just kind of, it feels like to me rearranging the deck chairs. I mean, the, the, the amount of money. So if the Big Ten and, and SEC quote unquote pull down more money, but they have more schools to send that back out to. I mean, are the schools really going to be making more money or? Or a few schools gonna be making more money. That's that's what this is. It's the money grab by the big boys, we like to call them. But um, at the end, you know, is I would love to see this at, at some point in the future. Is the amount of money going to be different uh, if there are two or three super conferences as opposed to if there still had been five Power Five conferences? There'll probably be a little bit more money. But is it is the is the more money because there's two super conferences, or is the more money just because? the TV and streaming networks say, Hey, people like watching football. People like watching basketball. Let's throw some money at that. I don't think it's because of the name of the conference. I think it's because of the popularity of the sports that people like to watch. 
UVA Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boasts one of the finest teams of doctors in the country, and they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams, but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years, with numerous team members featured in weekly segments where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them, and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I, I think the TV networks are gambling all, that all this is going to work. Uh, I think a lot of college sports fans are getting turned off by the whole thing. I, I've, I've seen on Twitter in the past few days, some people saying they'll still support their school, but as far as college athletics go, they've, they've really been turned off and they're, you know, they're not going to go out of their way to watch Michigan UCLA anymore. Uh, or Texas versus uh, Auburn. They're, you know, they're just, I don't know that they're losing interest because they see the greed and uh, they smell the money. That's a good good question. You you wonder what's going to happen in the LA market with its two biggest. That's arguably the biggest market in the country for TV sets and and for certainly for college because New York's yeah. the biggest market, but New York yeah. doesn't have a, a home college football team. So LA's right. got to be the biggest market for college sports. And and what happens when your two teams in LA only plays uh, five or six home games a year? Everything else is the places you can't even travel to. Right, right. Uh, how much interest is there going to be? Yeah, you know what what happens? What happens to the recruiting in in the LA market? Do, do those two teams are they still able to dominate recruiting in their own city, or other, is that going to allow other teams to come in and poach some of the best recruits? I, I think about the example of Maryland, and there's a lot of things you can talk about with Maryland. Maryland joined the Big Ten and formally in 2014. They made the move, made the decision to make the move, I think, in 2012. They formally joined in 2014, didn't become a full member until 2021. They've had to borrow over $100 million from the Big Ten over the past eight, nine years to, to balance their books. They'll be paying that money back for another 10 years. Um, so you're looking 15 years out or more before the Maryland becomes whole. Maryland's behind six ACC schools in terms of its uh, annual revenues. Uh, Virginia's among the schools ahead of Maryland. So Maryland's move to the Big Ten has not paid off financially. And then I think about the fans. I think if I'm a Maryland fan, I used to get to, you know, welcome Duke in North Carolina and Virginia to um, Coalfield House, Comcast Center, I think they call it now. Uh, for basketball, uh, we, we, you know, and they hated us and we hated them. And, you know, from a football perspective, same thing. Our, the Virginia-Maryland rivalry back in the 80s was so hot. And, you know, um, now you've traded that in for all these new schools. They've Obviously, Maryland's not competed well in football or men's basketball. The basketball coach quit midseason last year. The football has just not ever come back since the Ralph Fridgen era. era. Um and they gave they gave up the natural rivalries. Their ticket sales are flat from 2014 um, because the fan, and, and donations. I looked this up. Donations, the, 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 their donors are their donation dollars are down 
because the donors, I guess they don't have, they don't feel like they have anything to, to invest into. They, you know, the, what they, what they loved is not there for them anymore. I think now if, as a Virginia guy, um, you know, we know to lovingly hate Carolina and Duke and, and we know what we think about Virginia Tech. They're, you know, as relative newcomers still to the ACC, we like to think they're relative, even though it's 17 or 18 years, they're still relative newcomers. We know we have the rivalries that we have. If we have to learn all those all over, we have to learn to what we think about Ohio State fans and we have to think about Nebraska and UCLA and USC, there will be people who say, okay, good, I'm all for change. There will be a lot of people who say, look, I've given my life to this. As a sports fan, at least, given my life to this, this sports part of me, I'm, I'm not willing to start over. <laughs> let's, just, let's just move on. You know, and that's, I think we've seen that in Maryland. That's, that's what frightens me about the potential for knee-jerk moves that a lot of fans seem to be, at least on some, some fans on social media, seem to be saying, hey, let's go for the SEC or let's go for the Big Ten. Think that through a little bit. There, there are plenty of us out there who will just say, you know what, nah. That's what turns me off from professional sports, and now it's turned me off from college sports. Yeah, I have a friend, George, at a local diner I go to uh, every week, and he grew up a Maryland fan, and every week he bemoans the fact that they left the ACC. He says, I just can't get into these any kind of rivalry with these other schools. I, I just I just can't – I can't care enough. And he says, you know, we – in football, we get off. We might beat up a, a few cream puffs early, and then, then you got to play Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, uh, on and on. He says we get our brains beat out every week. He said it's just discouraging as a Maryland fan to to try to have any joy or any interest in what's going on. I can I just can't imagine Virginia being in the Big Ten and trying to force rivalry interest on its fans uh, with Rutgers or Penn State or Ohio State or Illinois. I mean, just uh, even when Virginia's played Indiana and Illinois in, in football the last few years, I, nobody has – nobody cares about those games. I, they – I just don't see it. And uh, – I, I bet if you put up a popular vote to Maryland's fan base, they would. I wouldn't be unanimous, obviously, but it would be overwhelmingly to go back to the ACC, which uh, is probably impossible at this point. But um, it's it's just a sad state of affairs that people are doing all this because of money, and I think a lot of college presidents are complicit in this because I think a lot of them really don't care that much about athletics. They inherited an athletic program and they, they, the only, their only value in the athletic program is to raise money for the school. I, I think they could give a rip as to whether they have athletics or not and that they could, you know, that like a money grab is the only way to pay for something that they're, they really would rather not have in the first place. You know, college athletics exists. When I look at the numbers, USA Today is, does a great job of, of gathering all the numbers from the public schools in the U.S. Private schools not to report the numbers. Um, but when you look at the numbers, very few athletics programs show a profit. I think right. it, of, of the 130 or so who do report these numbers, maybe maybe 15 or 20 or so do. Show, show, and, and the profits aren't great profits. 
everybody else loses money and hand over fist loses money. And that's with lots of accounting chicanery that includes, you know, student fees uh, that are assessed, you know, you know, millions of dollars uh, of, of those to, that the kids don't even know they're paying uh, for the privilege of having an athletics program on their campuses, um, donation dollars, ticket sales, TV rights, other things like that. Um, and, and they still lose money, even even with all that all that chicanery. And so, yeah, yeah, this pursuit of more dollars, it just ends up going back out the door. Uh, you know, I love college sports, man. I tell you what, I, 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 too much of my time is spent, you know, personally and professionally <laughs> um, thinking about them, writing about them. But, you know, from a perspective of the business, the you know, coaches are overpaid, assistant coaches are overpaid, administrators are overpaid, players are underpaid <laughs> if they're paid at all. Um, and, um, uh, and what they the, the purpose they serve the schools is to advertise the school. So we're spending all this money essentially to market the schools. I mean, UVA's brand gets out there. Other schools' brands get out there on national TV and makes the alums feel good. And maybe the alums donate money to the school or maybe they donate to the athletics program. But in the end, it's just marketing. It's just another way to market the school, get kids to apply to school and all that kind of stuff. And so the pursuit of more dollars doesn't make sense to me in that realm. You know, because, you know, only one school gets to be the champion in basketball or football or whatever the sport is. And, you know, everybody else is, is second place or worse. And um, but the dollars that are there really just end up going back out the door. It's, it's, it's a revolving door of dollars that sort of never account for themselves. I, you know, so more dollars are just are, are, are they're not helping the universities. More dollars aren't helping UVA. For example, UVA, that's that's where I went to school and that's what we're we both cover and have devoted a lot of our time to covering UVA as a school. When, when, when the basketball team wins a national championship, that doesn't pay for scholarships for minority kids or low-income kids that goes back into the athletics program. That doesn't help. It doesn't help UVA out the UVA, the Institute, it doesn't go to the medical school. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, pursuing dollars in that realm really bothers me because we're, we're, we're chasing more dollars for what purpose? So we can chase more dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And um, I mean, the, the, I guess, you know, that it's one way to prevent giving up on some sports that struggle to survive because there isn't enough money, some of the non-revenue sports. Uh, I saw that UCLA was uh, contemplating maybe giving up some of its sports because of the athletic budget just wasn't enough to cover everything. So uh, in a way, maybe some of this forced their hand, but still, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a numbers game. And I, I just, where does it end? You know, that that's the thing down the road, it, it, even though they're getting increased TV revenue in the, future when is it ever going to be enough because the price of everything else is going to continue to rise as well so i don't know it's just it, it makes you wonder about where things are going to be 10 15 20 years from now yeah yeah and, and then scott german raised a point to me our, our colleague raised a point to me yesterday saying with what we know about the impact of head injuries and cte uh will football even be something we are um, touting as much as we are now 20 years from now we've got all these big stadiums we're doing all these moves to accommodate football tv money 
Um, I, I brought the example up when he brought that up to me of boxing, where boxing was 20, 30, 40 years ago and where boxing is now. They're still boxing. Um, it's the, the, I, I, You can't get me to name the heavyweight champion of the world right now. We used to be able – everybody could name the heavyweight champion of the world because that was one of the biggest pers- people in sports. Um, yeah. Boxing has completely lost its cachet because of the impact of what we know about head injuries. And so – can, can football be going in the same direction? I can't predict that now, but I can see, I can lay out a scenario where that is the case. And here we are reconfiguring everything to accommodate something that, you know, there, there are a lot of things we don't know where they're going to be in 20 years. That's a big one. Um, and I don't, I don't think the, the, the prospects for football as we know it today, uh, 20 years from now are, are the same. I don't, I don't think we're going to be playing football the same way we are 20 years from now uh, because of what we'll learn even more about the impact of head injuries. So if the sport becomes less, um, less a contact sport, uh, you know, less a jarring sport that, you know, captures our imaginations because of health concerns uh, is football still going to be filling up stadiums. I don't know. Uh, but we're, we, we, what we know now is we're changing everything because of football and, you know, that, that is what it is. Yeah, and football is the engine that drives the train for all the other sports. And, I, you know, I read something a couple of years ago, and I've just been waiting to see if the shoe drops or not, that when insurance companies decide that they're no longer going to insure football players because of brain injuries, uh, it's going to kill the sport. And you wonder when that day is going to come because it's, it seems inevitable. And, um, I mean, they're having trouble filling up the stadiums now because so many games are on TV. Uh, some games you don't even know until a few, you know, like a week ahead what, what time they're even going to start. Uh, a lot of the people, younger people, don't go to the games because they can't get a good cell phone signal, for goodness sake. Uh, our society has become so lame in that respect. And, uh, um, my God, is, I guess there'll be an app for all of this at some point, but uh, I don't know. I, I, who, who knows, Chris? It, it just doesn't look like the future is very promising for college athletics. No, the last I, – I, I think I looked this up recently. The last time we saw – we saw 60,000 people in Scott Stadium. We're there every Saturday or Thursday or Friday, as the case may be, and have been for a number of years. Last time we saw 60,000 people, there was 2008. <laughs> That's a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Um, that's, that stadium holds 61.5, and I've seen 65 in there. So whatever the numbers are, we haven't seen 60,000 since 2008. Um, we often see 30 or 35 or 40,000 and that's probably overstating how many they're actually there. So yeah, you, you make great points there. Uh, and, and that we're not alone. I mean, North Carolina, when they redid their stadium, they, they, uh, sized down the number of seats. Um, so yeah, we're going in a, we're going in the wrong direction there and we're, but yet we're doing all this so we can make more money from football. It seems counterintuitive. Yeah, it really does. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think perhaps that you and I have covered the golden age of uh, college athletics and um, we'll see down the road. But <laughs> I'm just glad we got to go to the final four in 2019 and see some confetti falling because yeah, that may, that may be the, that may be the, the end of the golden age. Cause that was the, that was the last champion before COVID since COVID maybe it's all, maybe it's all started to go downhill. I hate to. 
hate to say that, but it, it I, I think I think Tony has another championship left in him, at least one more. <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah, I, I hope he's got four or five more in him, but I don't know if it'll be the same as it as it was back when we were still in it. And then twenty, it's weird to say too, innocent in twenty nineteen. I was already thinking a lot of these thoughts before twenty nineteen, but. Yeah, now, because since then, we've seen Texas, Oklahoma go to the SEC. We've seen this move, USC, USC UCLA. You know, we, we see, I mean, not the conference realignments are new just in the last two years, but it really, it really makes you cynical to see, you know, just, you know, where these things are going and, and, and realize, realizing that it's not going to go back. It's, it's, it's only going to get even more pronounced in this direction. Yeah, well, uh, I'm old enough to have seen a lot of changes in in college athletics and and, and everything, uh, every phase of it. So, and you're right, it never goes back. And so, whatever happens going forward, uh, brace yourself. <laughs> well, let's end this on a high note. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll all be heading down to Charlotte. Instead of talking, well, I'm sure we'll ask some questions of Jim Phillips about this and maybe some of the other coaches. And But we'll also be talking a lot at the ECC football kickoff about actual football um, and actual, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned this to Scott German yesterday. Hey, we'll be talking about offensive line play, defensive line play. Can the linebackers recover? Can, you know, can Virginia block well enough for Brennan Armstrong so he can get the ball to those great wide receivers? Can they get a running game going? We get to talk some actual X's and O's. We get to talk with some players and coaches. Um, we can end all this stuff and we can just, we can go into the nuts and bolts. That, that, that's when things will sort of get back on the axis for us. <laughs> we can celebrate the last year of the coastal. <laughs> the last year of the coastal. Hey, let's go out. You know, let's get Virginia to go out winners maybe. And, uh, you know, we can debate things like should Brennan Armstrong be first, second or third team, all ACC quarterback. I think people might know where we might vote. Um, we'll do our best to stuff the ballot box when we're down there all those fun things and more. We'll, we get to argue about football, actual football stuff, not all this nonsense. So what else yeah. you got working on Jerry, the next uh, little bit uh, on Jerry Ratcliffe.com? Uh, well, we're going to look into recruiting a little bit more and uh, talk a little bit about uh, Blake Buchanan and what a great catch that was for Tony Bennett. Uh, I think he's just getting better and better. And uh, some of the other guys are looking at for the future. Um, Coach Mox has been tearing it up on the women's side. Uh, just uh, a lot of other odds and ends um, until the kickoff gets here. And so we'll, we'll keep you informed with uh, all this stuff. And, and hopefully we'll have some uh, interesting podcasts uh, coming up here in the next week or two as well. I know that Jerry's working hard on those. I, I got some sense of where, where we're going there, and I'm looking forward to those. So without get, spilling any beans, uh, listeners, you will be looking forward to those podcasts coming up as well. For Jerry Ratcliffe, I'm Chris Cram signing off. Everyone have a great day.